I'm nervous right now, not because uh, I'm always nervous. Yes, this is true. But um, normally when I write a message, I don't really know if I like it. And, um, but then y'all get ministered to and I don't like it. Does that make sense? This one I like. And so I'm wondering, uh-oh, like, <laughs> is this going to be really good or it's like a trick on me? You know, I don't know. We'll find out here. Hey, Jesus, it's yours anyway. You have your way with your word. Um, here's the reading of God's word. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, and he divided in, in portions to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money that he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received only one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant whom had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned you five more. The master was full of praise, and he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more possibilities. Let's celebrate together. Come on. And the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned you two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's go celebrate together. Come on, somebody. And then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate, and I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. And look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least you could have gotten some, some interest on it. And he ordered, then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what I have given them, even more will be given but to those, and, and, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sweet Jesus. Let's pray. Hey, Lord, um, I pray that you would speak. Help. Amen. 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 Hey guys, I, I, um, I, in, in doing this, it's weird as I, I, I think I've heard a lot of messages. Probably I don't know a story in the Bible that maybe more sermons I've heard on. I've probably used this message, uh, a lot of times, but what's odd is when you isolate a message like this and all you do is look at this passage some neat things stick out to you. And so uh, today, all we're doing is talking about this story. And so I want to share with you some things that just stood out to me 
Um, what's kind of neat is uh, about three, four months ago, I wrote down all the parables I can find in the scripture. Um, and uh, I begin to separate them in different categories. How are we doing this? How are we doing this? How are we doing this? I want to remind you that Jesus uh, said that the reason why I speak in parables, he explained to his disciples, is because many come to hear, but not to listen. And so he's speaking in a riddle because anyone that really wants to hear, he's trying to get you to tune in and pay attention. And so you may know this story and you're like, yeah, I got this. This is one-on-one. I don't know. I just want you to know I was massively convicted. Um, cut to the core. I've been working on this message for about two months. And um, the things I'm going to say is elementary. I think when you let it weigh, when God's speaking to you and you just let it judge you, uh, it does some really liberating things to your soul. And so um, with that being said, I guess my first point that stands out to me about this message is that it, it's about money. Uh, I, if you are new to our church, you would not know. I don't like talking about money. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. I don't like it. I wish that Brady talks on these weeks. And so uh, it makes me feel weird. But what I have learned over the last year, I have grown up, I'm maturing in the Lord, uh, is that I talk about money every day with my family. I care about money. And if I care about money, and I care about the conversation of money and how we handle our money, I also want to care about how the Lord is involved in my money, then shouldn't I care about how the Lord is involved in your life, in your finances? And I do care that you see the Lord in your finances. What I have learned is one of the greatest ways to discover that the Lord loves me is when I find and discover his faithfulness in managing his money in my life. It is so cool when I step out on a limb and I do something that I can't afford to do or it's going to be difficult, but I'm trusting you, Lord. Anytime I trust God, it's like a wave of grace that is so cool. I remember, man, how did I forget? You love me. You care about me. You want to use me. And you, one of the coolest ways you do it is through finances. And it's super neat, man. I'm telling you, in Publix, I'll be at a checkout aisle, at the aisle, and all of a sudden, there's like 85 BOGOs on my coupon that I didn't know I had. And I just feel God's goodness. Or I go in for one thing, and it's buy one, get one free. The other day, I went in for a buy one, get one free, and someone handed me a coupon, and I got four of them. It was so cool. I, my wife, we used to do that all the time, and it was really rad. And I just remember, like, God, you love me. You care about little things. And I do want you to know the heart of a father wants to bless his children. Like, that's just the heart of God. Jesus would say another parable, the father loves to give good gifts. He said, what dad, if his son asked for a loaf of bread, would give him a rock? Or if his father, he wouldn't give him a snake. Like he's, the father loves to give good gifts. He wants to bless you. It's true. With that being said, as I think about this, it says again that the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a man going on a long trip. 
that man going on a long trip is Jesus, and uh, we don't know when he's coming back, and it seems like, man, when's this dude ever coming? And if you're not careful, you can fall asleep and forget that he's coming back, and he wants his money back, okay? The money's not yours. That's what I'm getting out of this. I don't know if you get that. Uh, he's the guy going on a trip. He gave you his money. I remember it was about ten, uh, eight years ago, standing in this corner right here. Our building used to be a lot smaller. Our stage used to be right here. And there was a gentleman after service who came up. He was a young adult. He was 21 years old. He was going through college, and he worked two jobs. While he was going through college, he was working hard. And we had done a message talking about how everything that God has given us is his. And he came up to me after the service, and he said, Pastor, I, I disagree with that. I work really hard for the money that I've made. And I believe that I earned it, that, and I'll, I'll give it to the Lord, but I think that you're saying it wrong. I earned it. And I responded to him with this scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8, and he said this, He fed you with manna in the wilderness, with food unknown to your ancestors, and he did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. You ever been through a hard season in life? He did it to humble you and for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. That's an important mindset to take on as a believer. I did this. Ooh, did you? Let me just stop there. Well, I'll keep going. Uh, for remember the Lord your God, for he is the one that gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant that he confirmed with your ancestors. Oftentimes, God's moving in my life just because he promised my grandmother that he would. It ain't got nothing to do with me. Uh, and I, I, I think about the blessing that is going to be on my children's life because of the faithfulness that I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to make sure that I'm putting them in position to know the Lord in their life. But in this verse, I have found it so true. Many people do get stuck. They forget to praise God for everything that he blessed them with until they lose their job or they get hurt or the AC goes out or some kind of catastrophe happens and now their prayers shift to a new mindset. Oh God. Are you just going to leave me like this? God, when are you going to provide? I need you to get me that job. Wait a second. Hold on. Wait, so you, need, you did need me after all. You just forgot about it when you were doing good, and it took you to fall on your face before you realized that you needed me. And the scripture is trying to say, when things are good, don't forget who put you there. Uh, I, it was uh, 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 the former president of uh, Southeastern. Uh, what was his name, Matt? Mark Rutland used to always say, if you see a turtle on a fence post, you can know one thing, he didn't get there by himself. You're that turtle. I don't know if you know that. Like you didn't get to where you are by yourself. The Lord blessed you and put you in a place where you really shouldn't be on your own. Does this make sense? Okay. And so uh, what I want to know, I want you to know before we get started is everything that you have is ultimately his. And that's why we give him 10%. But really, for those of you that are tithing, I want you to please step out of the mindset that 10% is the Lord's. It can be really unhealthy because 100% of ours is his. 
We're just managing for him. In this scripture, we see a scenario of three servants. How many of us believe that we're servants of God? I hope that we live with that kind of identity. The scripture calls us bond servants. We have the privilege of being able to serve the king. How many of you know that's going to be a great day one day? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, right? And so I want to serve the Lord. And I want him to use my finances and use me and use my mouth. And and anyways, in in this passage here, uh, what we see is someone that's serving the Lord. And he's given everything that they got for him. Now, as I turn the, 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 the chapter, the, 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 I'm sorry, the phrase here, it says, after a long time, their master returned from the trip and he called them to give an account of how they used his money. The, the second point that I have really is kind of weird. And as I lean in it, some of you aren't going to be able to get this because um, it's just not your lane. But I, as I was praying about this for our church, I pray that this turns a light bulb on for some. For some of you, you may be younger, uh, but I pray that you get this revelation. And I really see this directly in this verse. It's the principle of learning to whether it be a consumer or an investor. And, and, and it's a mindset shift in the way we live our life. Watch this. So the, the master returned and the servant to whom he entrusted five bags of silver came forth and he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I earned you five more. And the master was so full of praise. He said, well done. I can't imagine a cooler moment in my entire life. It kind of feels awkward when I think about what that would sound like for me. Well done. Like all of heaven stopping because the Lord wants to honor you because of what you've done and how you lived and how you were faithful to his calling over your life. Well done. You did good for me. And then I hear the Lord's hearts talking about how because you were faithful with the small amount, I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Anytime I'm thinking of a revelation that comes from Scripture, I always believe that God's trying to take us back to the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, we see a scenario where man was with God and God gave man the privilege of being the Lord of the Garden. And he was tending all the crops and he was tending all the animals and he was it was in the nature and the call of man to be fruitful and multiply that calling we still see here in this passage as the lord is trying to set a parable out trying to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like it's like a, a man who multiplied and god honored him it's like a woman who multiplied and god honored her watch this when I think about this scenario of, of investing versus consuming, I think about the American mindset. Some of us in this room make, make $15,000 a year. Some of us will make 60. Some of us will make 100. Some of us make north of $200,000 a year. Pretty awesome. And oftentimes what goes in our mind as we're trying to make this money is where it's going before it, we even have it in our hands. 
me and uh, our family, we like to watch this show uh, called Password, right? Is that the word? Pass- Password. I'm a, I, have a, I have a celebrity crush on Jimmy Fallon. I think he's the coolest guy in the world. I love me some Jimmy Fallon. And he's, he's the new host of Password. It's an old show. They're doing a new edition of it. And I love when they ask the contestants, what would you do with all this money if I gave it to you? So in the ESV, in the King James, in the New King James, they use the word talent. Right? And, and if you look, uh, most Bibles will define the word talent right there as, as 40 years of salary. And what's happening is this man is saying, I'm going on a long trip. I don't know when I'm going to come back, but I'm going to give you years of salary. And I want you to hang on to it. And he gets honored by those that figure out how to take their salary and not spend it on cable, cell phone, Food, car, house, picket fence, whatever, but multiply it. One of the things that the, the, the mindsets of, of, our, of, 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 of someone who does like literally have more in the end is because they have figured out that the resources that I have, if I don't use them right now, I can multiply them. I could turn this into more if I figure out how to, like, long-term. My kids are watching this YouTube entrepreneur right now. His name is Ryan Trahan. And you guys ever heard of Ryan Trahan before? Me neither. He's become a complete sensation. Kid's like 23 years old, and uh, he right now is making, on average, I Googled it this morning, $100,000 a month. He's making these videos that's a documentary of his life and he's cutting them down into eight minute videos and he's challenging himself to figure out how to take a penny and convert it into $1,000 in a day. So he takes this penny and he goes to a shop and he asks someone if he can buy a mint. Hey, can I, right on the counter, hey, at the Starbucks, if I give you this, will you, will you, can I get this mint? And he goes outside and he sells the mint for 50 cents. And he comes back in and he, and he goes to the dollar store and he tries to buy as many mints as he can. And he goes outside and tries to sell these mints. And then he comes back in with, with $40. And he goes and he buys as many waters and sodas as he can. And he ices them down and he goes and stands out and says, hey, water, soda. And people are buying these things for $2 on the street. And he's just trying to figure out, how do I take this penny and turn it into $1,000? Take this penny and turn it into a car. Take this penny and turn it into a house. And he just challenges himself over and over and over again. Just a couple months ago, he did a fundraiser where he took a penny and multiplied it for charity and made $1.4 million to give away to kids just for charity with a penny, not in a day. Sometimes the challenges are in a day. I think this was like three weeks, but he turned it into $1.4 million because some people have understood what the scripture is saying. I'm giving you five. What will you do with it? And many people, when they're saying, if I gave you this, well, the first thing I would do is I'd buy a boat, I'd buy my house, I'd buy my thing, because we live in an American consuming, where would I spend it? But what if we invested it? Not, I'm not, not talking about like stock or World Street or anything. Like, how do you produce more for the king? What if your money wasn't yours? What if the mindset, though, Happen to be, how, how can you take what God is giving you and make more of it for the king? Are you with me for just a couple seconds? 
Maybe it's just me, but when I read this story, it's kind of shocking because it's, it gets kind of hardcore in the reality that we are all going to be held accountable for the way we stewarded everything he gave us. And there's never been a nation more consumer-based than us. Can I get an amen? amen? This is a good sermon, Pastor. This is a good sermon, Pastor. This is, a good, this is what I'm telling myself. What if someone caught a vision right now and said, God, teach me how to take what little I have and make it more for you? I think it's the kind of heart. I'm not talking about tithing. I'm not talking about giving at your church. I'm talking about you just saying, God, what I have is yours. How do I use this for you rather than spending it on me? I think of people... Uh, many of us are just trying to figure out how to get out of debt. Many of us are just trying to figure out how to, how to get above breaking even or just how to get to that car or just how to get to. But what if we raise our faith and just said, God, what if you use this? Like, mm, there's so many things I want to say and I can't because I don't have enough time. Number three, um, I have dreams in my life. No, not, not number three. I have dreams in my life. I, I have, I, last year I had a dream that I wanted, I wanted to go uh, on a big fishing trip. I got that dream. I had a dream that I wanted to go on a big hunting trip. I got that dream. I, I've had dreams that I, I wanted to, um, I, I want to go to Africa and see a lion in real life. It's a dream. I know it's selfish. It's just me, but it's a dream. And I believe that God wants me to have that dream. Because when I see that lion and he roars, I'm going to know the sound of the lion and the, you know, anyway. That's what I tell myself. Uh, but when I watch that Chronicles of Narnia, man, and that, that lion just goes, I'm like, woo, say it again, you know? Anyways, uh, sorry, I'm weird. Um, but I have dreams. I, I want to go to Israel. I have dreams. I, I want to build more orphanages. You know, our church, we've built two orphanages already. I'm so proud of like this little church on, on Commerce Point Road and, and like, like 30 kids uh, in our first orphanage and, and, and 20 kids in our second orphanage that did not have a house and did not have parents have a home because we had a dream. And we were willing to not take this money and spend it on us and make better chairs, but we were willing to invest it into a home for someone else to have. Like if we are willing to take money and say, God, how can you multiply this without spending it on me? And when you begin to give, and when you begin to give it to the Lord, your heart opens up and you get more faith and you get more radical and you get more obedient. And it's like your love for God is growing. And some of us are stuck in the same season we've been in in years. We're stuck in a consuming mindset. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I have to keep going here. Talents. Point number three. This story really isn't about money. He's just using money as an illustration. Because remember, he said the kingdom of God is like this, and he's explaining in a parable. And a parable is, is we're trying to explain the kingdom for those that are willing to listen. Well, anytime you talk about money, people perk up. But he's not, he's not really talking about money. He's talking about our lives. He's talking about our dreams. He's talking about our giftings. Some of you are the greatest huggers on the planet. You're just good at hugging people. Hug more people. 
set a limit of like how many people I'm going to hug today. Some of you are verbal. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are studiers. But what the problem is that I see is that many of us have gifts of God. No, I'm sorry. That is 100% heresy. All of us have gifts of God within us. You have a gift. You may not be a preacher, but man, like some of you this week, we, we went to the park to feed the kids and Kyle Lanier came out and I talked to the kids every week and Kyle just did it one week. He only had one week and he got up there and it was so daggone good. I was mad because I'm like, I do this every week. Why is he get to be good? Like, is there are gifts that are inside of us that are just waiting to be opened and unlocked. You are good at, you're, you are great at something. What if you could be great at something for the king? And what I see in this verse, listen to this thought, is that there's fear in all of us that prevent us from releasing these talents. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 25, the man only had one talent. When, he, when, the, when the manager came back, he said, I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. I was afraid. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that people aren't going to like you or no one's going to come to your study? Are you afraid that no one will come to your worship event or your house? Are you afraid that no one, uh, if you give your money, you won't have any more? This is America. I promise you'll get more. Money does somehow grow on trees in America. It'll just come back around. Whatever you give to the Lord, it's worth, like you can, whatever you give to the Lord is not wasted. I love the verse in Proverbs that says, anyone that gives to the poor lends to God. I don't want to sound crazy here, but I like the idea. I realize this is not total truth, but if I lend to God and he kind of owes me, I know that's heresy, but I'm going to, there's something about as a promise that I can stand on. If you give to the poor, you lend to God. What is the gift inside of you? Many of you have the gift of faith. To others, it's super annoying. But that's because they're willing to live in doubt. And you're trying to pull them out of that. Like, we need people to start praying over people. We need people to start giving more. To see that the generosity does work and God does bless these things. We need people to hug and share their faith and start new Bible studies. Well, there are giftings inside of you that's got to come out. There are entrepreneurs. There are Man, there are so many things that are beautiful inside of you. There are prayer warriors. But many of us are afraid of what? Of failing? Of not being good enough? And here's the problem that's sobering up to me. I don't know what you're afraid of, but I can tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of the reality of what would happen in my life if I end up being this man that stands before the king of kings who was slain before the foundations of the earth and all of heaven is watching and all the people that I was trying to impress being this great, awesome pastor, finally I got their attention and he said, Tim Broden, come forward. What do you got? What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do, Morgan? What did you do, Chris? What did you do? 
What did you do, Bill? What did you do, Matt? What did you do with what I gave you? Well, I was scared. Then give it to me. I'm going to give it to someone else who is dumb enough and crazy enough to believe that I'm willing to do it. I'm telling you, I'm I'm a firm believer that one of the reasons why God anointed my life is because I'm not intelligent. And I, I, I know that that sounds like a joke, but I was dumb enough to believe that God could use me. I know some of you have a fear, but as I hear this story, my last point today is eternity. Think about this for a second. The last story we told talked about eternity. The week before that, it talked about eternity. The week before that, it talked about eternity. Why is Jesus using all these parables to talk about eternity? The, the rich man and Lazarus, the, 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 the terror and the wheats, uh, the, the, the sheep and the goats, the final judgment. Like all of these stories end up with the throne room of God because Jesus is trying to say a parable to a whole bunch of a big crowd that comes and they're not listening. And he's trying to say, all of our life is about the moment of judgment. And we're dizzy, walking, lost, carelessly in a consumer mindset of, you know what I really need is to get that turkey on sale before it's done. I'd really like to eat that turkey. It's me. What's like, then let's start fasting and start praying and start like stirring ourselves. But we've got to be moved by what moves him. There are gifts of God inside of us and there's a dying world that's going to hell. And this is the message. Like there are people, hear hear me on this. And I would encourage you to check my theology. I do believe that the only way we get to heaven is by faith alone through Jesus. It's not by works. But what I hear in many of Jesus's stories is that there are people that are called servants that believe that they're following the Lord, but on the day of judgment, they will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And he says, no, I don't know you. And so I just want to be careful that many of us that call ourselves a servant are actually serving. Lord, what would you like me to do with what you've given me? So I'm reading this. And you know what stood out to me the most of everything that was in this? It was the first word. Matthew 25, verse 14. And he said, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long journey. Again. Let me tell you again. This man's coming back. And when he comes back, people are going to be held accountable. Your pastor's going to be held accountable because I want you to know everyone that teaches the word of God is held more accountable than everyone else. That's why I don't want to be a teacher because it makes me nervous. But we're all going to hold judgment. All of our lives will be laid naked before him. And what will you give him? But master, he replied, and at the end there, he says, 
But for those who do nothing, even little what they have will be taken away and thrown this useless servant out into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know what ganashing is, but um, there, he puts a G on the beginning of it every time he says it, and it just sounds really good. <clears throat> and this guy was a servant. And so I just am asking myself as this verse is like reading me, reading my life, God, I believe I'm a servant. Am I really serving? And so I'm asking myself, God, what am I afraid of? And I'm asking myself, then what dreams are you putting inside me? And even this week, I started saying, you know what, God, you know what I want to do? I want to own a food bank. If Polk County is one of the worst counties in the country, top 10 country, counties in the country for food impoverished children, I want to own a food bank that the way can use to feed the, the poor. I'm scared to ask of that because it's too big for me, but I want to ask it. I've been asking God, I want a church and I want you to know, guys, we are getting so stinking close. I can't wait to give you more updates, but man, I believe that like their breakthrough is coming. Like, man, I'm telling you, it's so close. I can't even taste it. But there are so many things that this building limits me to. Someone came by the other day and they were like, I really like your building. And I'm like, great. I hate it. I hate this building. I do not want to be in this building. I believe God's calling us to do greater things in this box. This is limiting us, but daggone it. It's only going to limit us for so much longer because God's going to move in our, in our church because we have faith. And we want to multiply. We want to multiply. We want to multiply. As this isn't enough seats. We want to make it hard to go to hell in Lakeland. We want to see a great harvest. I believe that there's a hard time coming to uh, America. And I believe that it's going to be a great harvest that comes across America. And I want to be a part of it. I want to reach the lost for Jesus. And I'm thinking about eternity, and it always reminds me of the movie. Some of you guys have heard me say this before, but if, if, you've, ever, if you've never seen the movie Schindler's List, you should. It's the most sobering thing I've ever seen in my life. How Oscar Schindler literally saved the lives of a few thousand people. They were alive and existed because of the sacrifice. He put his life on the line, risked his name and reputation, and sold everything he had that he would buy slaves that were Jews, that they can work in his factory, and then ultimately not work at all, but just find rest and security from the German soldiers. And at the end, on the day that he was about to be judged because of what he was doing, buying Jews, he, he had to flee the city, and all the Jews lined up to thank him, and they all signed a paper, and he was there to be celebrated because of all the things that he did. And I'm thinking I've got like, like in his eyes, he's recognizing he, I, I wasted so many things. I wasted so much of my life. I spent so much money on champagne and food and, and gold and cars. I spent so much on things that didn't matter at all. It's about souls. At the end of the day, it's about eternity. It's about heaven and hell because that's what Jesus says matters most. And the crap that we get stuck on that's going on in our families is actually worthless. It's about the kingdom. And Jesus would say it again and again and again and again. And we've got to figure out how to pour our lives out for the king. And so God, how can you multiply my gifts? How can you multiply my finances? Not for me, but for you. If you give me more, I can give more. But I'm limited. So I'm praying over you multiplication. I'm praying over you a dream. I'm praying over you boldness to get over yourself. I'm praying over you faith to overcome your fear. What matters more? 
what people think of us or what he sees in us. I want to be surrounded with people that are bet the farm kind of people. I'm going for broke. I'm all in for Jesus. And I don't care what happens next. Next. 